According to Zoom, it's setting up the, the, the Facebook Live. But over here, I guess it says we're live. So I'm going to go with the idea that perhaps maybe we're live. <laughs> well, we can All right. Well, good maybe. evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Nourish's Ditch the Diet and Face the Feelings with Sarah, Sandra, Mike, and Beth Gray. Um, we're talking today limiting beliefs. And I'm going to limit this in the sense of let's talk limiting beliefs about body, size and weight, food, exercise, as opposed to limiting beliefs of what is the meaning of life. <laughs> Way to rein it in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to limit it a little bit. <laughs> Before we start, though, I think we should have Mike give us his 25 words or less about what he's got going on. Oh, oh yeah, idea. the elevator pitch. Okay, yeah. we want to hear Mark your elevator pitch. Um okay. <laughs> That's how I started last week. In in what uh tell us about yourself. What, in what realm? And tell okay. Um I am a uh 52-year-old young guy who uh Decided to make some changes uh, in life about, oh, maybe about 10 years ago and kind of take control of diet and health. And somewhere along that journey, I thought education would be really cool to re-examine. So I went back to school online, actually earned a fitness and training degree. And uh, uh, health and, and wellness and fitness training, just anything in that world. Uh, is really interesting to me, and I, I yeah. try to read a lot, stay current, and uh, my goal is to just help some folks um, figure out that that monster because it's so big. Awesome. So, what are your limiting beliefs around that? Let's hear a good one. <laughs> nice. Are you bumping uh, up against any? Um, I used to that, you know, I had to pigeonhole everything and, and you have to do it this way or it's not gonna work. And uh, I've just found out over the years that that is so not the case. Uh, everyone is different and it need, everyone needs to be treated differently. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just have a one size fits all diet. It's not gonna work. No. I think Beth is reading a comment. <laughs> yeah, I just Samantha D here saying, hi ladies and Mike. So, hi, Samantha D. Great to have you. I know that it's quite late where you are, dear. What are you doing up at this time of morning? She's <laughs> playing hooky, I think. Oh, yeah. She's definitely playing hooky at this time of day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, limiting beliefs. Where do we want to even jump off and start about this? <sighs> Sandra, what are your limiting beliefs about your body and diet and exercise? Um, <clears throat> I used to be a chronic dieter. So my limiting beliefs were always around, I can't have that. It's not acceptable. Weight Watcher says, you can't have that piece of chocolate. And then it was ideal protein. Well, you can't oh, have right. it. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
huge, huge. So you create these thoughts in your mind. Mm -hmm. You can't have that. Yeah. It's not allowed. Yeah. But what does it do to the body? Creates one heck of a stress storm in your body. So those were my limiting beliefs until I took a few courses. And actually, it was my first health coaching course that I took where those thoughts really changed and at home. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a long time, I held on to um, that my body is me Mm. rather than I'm contained in this body. Yeah. And there's a certain freedom that comes with recognizing that, yeah, this is just the container that I'm in. And um, so I've got some challenges ahead of myself just to get out of my own way and get this container back to feeling good and balanced in a state of health and wellness. And it's definitely a journey. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, one of my limiting beliefs um, after my diagnosis with celiac was I'm sick. And that, you know, that it doesn't matter whether I eat gluten or don't eat gluten, I'm sick. Yeah. Um, and so I had this whole limiting belief also of I'm always going to be tired. And I somehow adopted this belief of I'll never get enough nutrients in me to overcome feeling tired that I'm never going to get well again, that I'm never going to be able to be back into that full schedule and that exercise and that routine that I used to do. And this is the new me. I should get used to this. Yeah, I had a similar path through fibromyalgia, definitely. Yeah. You know, once you get a medical diagnosis for an illness, especially a chronic illness, it's easy to just fall into that whole limiting belief system of, well, this is what I am now. This is what I have. This is, and yeah. I know for me, um, it was very much, I'd had it already for 10 years with a misdiagnosis. And so I had tried different medications and different stuff and they didn't work. So when I finally get the diagnosis of celiac, if I can finally put a name on my monster, I'm still like, well, this has been 12 years of this and it's only gotten progressively worse. So there's no way this could possibly get better now. As opposed to, and then somebody suggested, well, it took you 12 years to get this bad, maybe, or 10 years to get this bad, maybe over 10 years you can heal again. And I literally, no, I literally, I was like, okay, it might take me 10 years, but I'm going to heal this. Okay. But at least it gave you hope. Well, it, it, absolutely. Exactly. But it did. It turned that limiting belief on its head of, well, if it took me 10 years to get this bad, maybe I can get better in 10 years. Yeah. At least that's a starting point. And that was a great starting point. That was an awesome, just flip this on its head of, okay, well, you got this bad. Well, now how, how do you get back to, to zero? Okay. And obviously my aim now is not to get back to zero. My aim now is how do I get back to vitality and great health? But at that point, that was all I needed to hear that, that really stopped 
you know, and stop that in its tracks of, okay, it was 10 years to get here. It could be 10 years to get back. I think if we take the time though, and, and look at it from, from a nursing perspective, mm -hmm. we do tend to, doctors do tend to say to a client, you have a disease. Well, that yeah. means you need the drugs. That means you need to have, and you can't do, you, it limits your thinking because all of a sudden, oh, I've got this disease, but now that changes my whole life. I can't do. Whereas when my clients went in the community, when I saw my clients in the community, it was really awesome because they'd come back and say, well, doc says my blood pressure is up, blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? Well, let's have a look. What are you eating? Salt. <laughs> let's have a look. How can we change the thoughts? Yeah, I remember when when I was a, a trainer um, at a gym, it was it was always challenging to adjust my mindset when people would, you know, they, they'd come in and, and I only got to see them uh, for a half hour a week. And after a few months, you know, they would just say, oh, I just, I'm not going anywhere. I don't have any, I'm not making any progress. And that was one of my, my first questions. Well, okay. What, what's your daily routine? Like, what are you, what are you eating? What, how do you, how are you doing when you're not here, when you're not in front of me? And then they would say, well, I'm trying. So my, my belief was, well, you're not trying hard enough. And it was, <laughs> that was a big hurdle that I had to learn to, to cross and, and totally ditch that thought process because maybe they were doing all that they could at that time. So who was I to say, well, that's not good enough. And I think that's where a, a lot of people are really struggling with how to improve self-image. And it doesn't matter what uh, what type of, of thought process it is that they don't like how they look, if they don't like how they, how they act, if they don't like how they uh, interact with people or, or if they're just not happy with their job, whatever it is, you know, because somebody has always said, well, that's, that's not good enough. So then they, they just, they're just there. So it, it was a, just a big challenge for me to look beyond that. And that's been part of my, my growth in, in the last couple of years is, is really, readjusting how I um, uh, think of things and, and approach situations because I was the guy that would pigeonhole. I'd pigeonhole you in a second. <laughs> and, and you, I can't, you can't do that. If, if you want to help somebody, you just, there, there's no way you can do that. Yeah. Part of the effective coaching is removing that element of judging our clients where they're at. Exactly. Right? Like, oh, yeah, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, you're right. How do we know? We don't know what their struggle is the right. moment they walk out the door. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Great, great insight. Beth, you're muted. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the dog barking, so I turned it off. Anyway, I wanted to read here some comments for us. Okay, Samantha D, I need to lose weight. I need to diet. I need to look some other way. Oh, my God, that puppy's so cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sharon, 
Um, I want to run again. My limiting belief is that I've messed up my body so bad and I'm too old to get back to that place where running is just a moving meditation. I can see it in action, but as, a, as of yet, have not got past it. And I will say this to you, Sharon. I have read and seen and heard of people that have started running at 50, at 55, at 60, and who at 90 years old are continuing to run. So if you want to use age as an excuse, I'm going to start peppering you with stories. <laughs> Sharon, you need to read the book Born to Run about the Terra Umara tribes in Mexico. That'll change your entire outlook on running. That's that's what they do. They run weekend long races where they run hundreds of miles uh, up until any age. Fascinating book, fascinating study about real people in this tribe and what they're able to do because they don't have that limiting belief. They believe truly that we are born to run. Cool. Yeah, it's a great book. But also I would say start where you are and see where you end up. Don't try to get back to where you were because you're not even the same person anymore. So who knows what better destination you could get to some space you've never encountered before. Also too, I think um, for her is to really honor her body and what her body is saying to her. Um, many, many, many years ago when I had my first knee surgery, the doc said I would not walk and I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 30. Um, well, I'm not in a wheelchair. I can still walk. Um, there's things I can't do on certain days, and that's fine. I honor what my knees are saying to me and going, okay, tomorrow's going to be a different day. Yeah. And I think if you can do yeah. that, that'll help her. Yeah. Living with a chronic illness with fibromyalgia and uh, getting into those days where my body just gave me so much pain and illness that I had to stop and rest and recover. There's a slippery slope there where recognizing that my body needs this rest in order to be able to proceed forward in a few days or whatever, versus getting into that mode and then slipping into victimhood and letting the diagnosis get the better of me uh, and become a limiting belief. That's a tricky subject to, to manage when you're in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would love to hear some more from you, Mike, about this whole thing of including even Sharon's comments about, you know, um, want to get back into it, but oh my God, I'm too old. I'm never going to go back there. Um, what happens when you get that client that's come in that they're set on, I'm too old or I'm too fat or I'm too whatever adjective they're using. <laughs> uh, find out what their, what their goal really is. Um, you know, and that may take <clears throat> some really pretty deep conversation to actually find out what, what their ultimate goal is. And it's just starting with such small bites 
small steps yeah. because no, like, like you said, no, you may not return to the way that you used to run 20 years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. your, your body changes. Yeah. And so you, to not get hung up on that, that's the real trip. Well, so what, what can you do? Well, mm -hmm. you can start. So go out for a, uh, go out for a half hour walk yeah. and, and run every other block. You know, I mean, I remember when I started to run, uh, oh my God. Okay. Here's, here's in my brain. Here's uh, here's a fat kid trying to run. You know, well, I, I can, I can remember when I was trying to get back into running, I was like, okay, I walk five lampposts, I run five lampposts. I walk five lampposts, I run five lampposts until I can not run and okay, then I'll jog. And then I'll only slightly move more faster than walking. Um, yep. <laughs> you, you know, but it was simply, okay, this is what I'm going to, to work on until I get to. And I know that at one stage, um, I did a 10 kilometer run and then like five days later, I did that same 10 kilometer run and I took probably three more minutes longer than I had the time before. And I was so mad at myself. And then I realized that the day I'd done the 10 kilometer run five days earlier, I'd come off four days of no exercise. You were rested up. I yeah. was rested up. And that second time I did the 10 kilometer run, I had done exercise every single day in between having done that first 10 kilometer run. Now, not huge exercise, but I had, I wasn't on four days of rest. No. And, you know, and when you come up to that, okay, okay just don't be so hard on yourself. You know, um, yes, you want to beat your best time, but you don't want to break yourself either. Well, so you're sitting there talking so about about running and well and getting back to running or starting where you are and I realized internally I was saying I can't run I'm I'm too you know too heavy to run I'm too this or too that and I'm also comparing myself to my daughter-in-law who's a professional triathlete. Um, <laughs> My son, oh, who's a professional oh. athlete. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I, I see there might be a problem. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, I, I can't run. So uh, And yet Samantha D just put here in the comments is that, you know, her sister went from never running since school to doing a full marathon in eight months. You know, so it is doable with no injuries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one thing is finishing a marathon. Another thing is winning a marathon. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to win a marathon. I'm just looking to, oh, my God, if I could do a half marathon and finish it, that would be awesome. I could drive a marathon and win. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I am that good of a driver. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is. It is like Mike said, it's start where you're at and then work from there. I mean, Sharon goes here. Yeah. Um, it, do our bodies know at a cellular level, all moments in the cycle called life. And could we recall that knowledge, that energy at any point 
across our entire life. Okay. I think we could. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Everything else is just the limiting belief that gets in the way. What do you mean? Don't lie, Leo, Sharon. What are you talking about? <laughs> Samantha goes sitting out there Googling, ask a really hard question and then just typing it into the, the comments. What is a really hard question? Yeah. Samantha D goes, if I could just walk across the finish line and not pass out, then I've won. Absolutely. Okay. Totally. I mean, just if you, I mean, and it's it start where you're at. Even if you don't cross the finish line, if you get out there and you give everything you've got for that day, then yep. you've won. I mean, like I remember my best friend Vicky in London, she was, I think about eight months out from having done open heart surgery where she'd had um, one of her valves replaced. Um, and eight months after that, she was doing a night ride from London to Brighton, which is, I don't know how many, I don't remember how many kilometers on bikes overnight but they were doing it like a relay race. So, you know, you, you only do X amount of the, the thing. It wasn't that she was doing the whole from London to Brighton. But she had a support team that was there for her. And she had other cyclists that were going to ride that piece with her. And she was doing a, maybe 20 kilometers. But that piece that she did was the total limit of I have recovered from my open heart surgery. Okay. So yes, there was athletes that were doing London to Brighton. But that's not the point. Yeah. The point is where are you starting from? The point is she got on a bike. That's oh, nice. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was there a week after surgery, and my job was to make sure she didn't overdo it. Okay, so she was in the hospital for a week. And I arrived the day after she got home from the hospital. And my job was to stay for 10 days and make sure that you only do what you've been told you're supposed to do. So I took her out for a walk every day. But this is how far we're going. And I drove, I, you know, I, I accompanied her one day to the doctor's appointment, that sort of stuff. But we were out and about. It was one week after surgery and we were out. Um, her first surgery took her six weeks to get out of the house. So, you know, that mindset work also is really important because when she went into her second surgery, she went in focused on this is how well I'm going to do. Awesome. Yeah, I could imagine I would, I would, on the first one, <clears throat> she probably went in fearful and yes. uncertain of what the outcome was going to be. So. She didn't know what to expect. And this time she did so she could prepare for it properly. Absolutely. Yeah. So mindset work, you know, addressing those limiting beliefs is really important. I think you have to ask yourself too, why do you have that limiting belief? What purpose is it serving you? And then once you figure that out and, and once you look at that limiting belief and go, how's it serving me? And create that new belief and then ask yourself, how is this new belief going to change my life? I think if you can do that, it really helps. 
um, did a lot of work with clients that were going in for surgery, doing exactly the same thing as resetting their mindset as to surgery is going to go well, everything's going to be fine, you're going to come out of it totally without any issues. So what's a good way to overcome uh, a limiting belief when you recognize one? Would it be just to visualize yourself doing the thing that you're telling yourself you can't do? Would that be a good first step? I think so. Yeah. I can't read you. My my dogs were barking (laughs) again. Sorry. Um, One of the hardest things I've discovered is actually identifying the limiting belief because we're so, we're so set in it. We've had it for so long. It's it. The hardest thing I would say is recognizing that it is even popping up, you know, like I didn't think anything about healing my body until I, it, I was like, okay, well, if it takes 10 years, Mm -hmm. okay. But you have to actually even start with recognizing I, wait a minute, why am I limiting myself to this? Why is the diagnosis the outcome? Right. Right. Yeah. For example, my dad um, has, has type two diabetes and he was at a level where basically the doctor said there was no going back. Like they were like, you know, we're going to have to put you on meds and we're going to do this and this and this mom ex-registered nurse, now retired, was like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. I know the side effects. So she gave him short-term meds and completely changed his diet. He is now totally medication-free, and he is under the bottom limit. He's not even considered diabetic at the moment. Awesome. Not at the moment. Not at the moment anymore. Ex- well, yes. well, as long as, as long as he's not allowed into the cookie jar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he, he doesn't have those issues anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's, yeah, that's the limiting belief was, oh, well, the doctor said. Right. So it's really helpful to have people around you that can recognize that when maybe you don't. Yeah. And then the tricky part is communicating that without sounding like you're an know-it-all, like you just want to take over the situation. <laughs> and, that's, and that's hard. It, it's hard to be gentle, yet um, firmly supportive, you know? So you just have to allow people sometimes to come to that that light and that recognition in their own time and you just you know be supportive along the way and and when they're ready it's like all right let's let's do this let's go and lead the uh, horse to water and gently encourage it to drink drink (laughs) yeah 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 um and i think once you've identified you have the limiting belief then you start questioning it and you start questioning it from different angles and you start looking at it. Well, okay, maybe from this angle doesn't work, but where could it work? You know, what, what could I change? Um, and I think like Mike said quite a while back, it's not about a huge change. It's what's that one small step. Yes. 
that one small change. I mean, I posted, I think on my timeline, I'm trying to remember where I posted it, but I think it was on my personal timeline. This quote about, you know, we always worry about going back in time and don't change anything because that would change all of history. Well, what if we had that same attitude about if I made one small change today, I would entirely change the future. What's that one small, I mean, we worry about, oh, if you went back in time, you couldn't change a single thing because you could just totally change and rewrite history. Well, if that's the case, if I make one small change today, Mm -hmm. I totally change the future. Mm -hmm. What is that change? 100%, yeah, you altered the course. So, yeah. Are you going forward or backward? Yeah. Are you you Marty or Doc? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to be that guy. (laughs) Yeah. So final thoughts on limiting beliefs, how to overcome them. Well, just increasing self-awareness. being aware of your thoughts is the first key, right? Catching one. Like when you were talking about running and I realized that my internal response was, well, I can't run. And I thought, huh, I wonder how many times I've said that to myself in my head. Thousands, I'm telling you, thousands. But now I caught it. So. And and, and, and how, how many times have you thought that without catching it? Oh, well, all of the thousands before, I mean, because it was just like, I can't run. Yes, that's true. Swallow that down. And uh, so, yeah, so now this one has been brought up and presented to me as an opportunity to change. So, you know, when I, when I take Bernie out tonight for a walk, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll run 20 steps. That'll be 20 steps more than I ran yesterday. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I know for me, you know, there's that whole limiting belief of, oh, I don't have the time. But then, of course, the question to me was, okay, you don't have the time, but you do have the time to watch Udemy videos for training and that sort of thing. So what's stopping you from putting the training video on your phone in front of the elliptical? What's stopping you from putting that onto the TV? and doing stretches. Yes, it's true. I don't have the time to go out and run for 45 minutes. Fine. But if I do five minutes, that's five minutes more than I was doing. Or if I take the dogs out for a walk, I mean, like what I've been doing lately, I take my daughter up to the park and Children's parks here in Panama are fabulous in that they have machines for the adults to use and do exercises on. And literally, I can tie my dogs to one of the machines and use all of the other machines while she's playing. Cool. Cool. So literally, they are set up so that you can be on the machine watching the kids play. And they're outside. I'm outside. The dogs are out. She's playing in the park. And it's summertime. Nice. You know, so 
yes, okay, I don't have the time to go for a run. That doesn't mean I don't have time for exercise. Sure. Yeah, who says it has to be running? Exactly. Right. Who said it had to be running? And in my head, I was like, oh, well, I, I don't have time for a run. I'm not doing any exercise. Okay, I'm not going for a run. But Sometimes I feel like when I'm drumming my fingers impatiently waiting for my coffee at Starbucks that I'm getting a lot of exercise. <laughs> well, better switch hands. I remember <laughs> when, I don't know if you've ever read The 4-Hour Body. Yeah. Okay, well, The 4-Hour Body, he says, you know, anytime you're waiting in line, start doing your squats. Now you feel like an absolute idiot because you're doing squats while you're standing in line. And I don't know about you, but when I was doing that, I was not my healthiest, happiest, um, energetic, athletic self. And so I'm like, here's my fat ass doing squats in the line. You know, if I was athletic, I might get away with this, but you know, um, <laughs> they're going to be looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with her? You know, but how do but you, you get back it? But did, how do you get back into your athletic self? You do 20 squats when you're standing in line. Yeah. How about you, Sandra? Um, I think we just have to really recognize that our thoughts are what really creates our realities. And we're the ones who are in control of our thoughts. And it's, it's that nice little ego part of our brain that's going, you can't do that. We have to recognize that and and really listen to what that little voice is saying to you. I just got an image of Mickey Mouse in Fantasia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's in charge. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Mike? I would say I, I agree with everything so far. And there's also a, a flip side to that. When you, when you start making progress, then there's the uh, capacity to compare. So then you might go too far and go overboard and push too hard. And yeah. that's, when, that's when injuries start. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's really a, a pretty good balance that we have to have with ourselves to realize, number one, I can do this. And I'm not in competition with anybody except who I'm looking at in the mirror in front of me. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it, but it doesn't come easy. We're, we're not, we're not conditioned to do that. It has to be a very conscientious thought process and not everyone knows how to do that. Um, you know, and, and that's where we come in. Yeah. I think too, though, we're always looking for that really quick fix. Okay, I'm not sure what happened now. to all the comments, but somehow now Samantha's D is talking about padded spandex. I'm not sure if I should go back and look through the rest of the comments. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thank you guys. I am going to end on that note. <laughs> Thank you, Samantha D, for the padded spandex comments. Um, I've got a great visual of how that's going to look. Um, <laughs> and catch you guys next week, same time, same place. And next week, we're going to talk, start talking about strength. Okay. Um, and obviously, in Nourish, 
We start on the first, which is Friday, a new challenge, which we're inviting everybody to participate in. Um, it is the face the feelings part of Ditch the Diet. So we're inviting everybody to come into the group, participate in the challenge, and throughout February, you're going to be looking at all of your feelings associated with eating. Every time you eat, when you start eating, how are you feeling? When you stop eating, how are you feeling? What is that feeling part of that? What, and, and hopefully noticing patterns of, oh my goodness, look, I was anxious and every time I'm anxious, you know, I eat. Or every time I've eaten, I was anxious. Hmm, I wonder what that tells me. Okay, so come and join us in February and nourish. Um, it is going to be, I think, a really great challenge for everybody. And we're talking about eating occasions, not about meals. If it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you're munching down on a Mars bar, that's an eating occasion. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the if forms and instructions are located in the units section. So you'll need to print off page one four times because it's one page for each week in February. Right. So, um, but please do obviously come and join us. We would love to have you in Nourish and have you participate in the challenge and see what patterns you start to notice in your life. What's coming up for you? when you actually start to pay attention and be a little bit more mindful. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Mike. Th thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sarah. Catch you all next week. All right. Thank you.